0: Here's Johnny! I'll be back. And you will know my name is the
1: Lord! I'm walking here! I'm walking here! I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Groovy. Hello and welcome to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody. Joining me today... My co-host, Mike, say hello, Mike.
0: I didn't know Jake uh, Champion was still alive. Can we start every episode like that? Just give me a brief update. I, I can check in on him, like, every once in a while. Someone he always should. Know. Yeah, His that's important. His hair has barely changed.
1: <laughs> that's the other important bit. Folks, I know that's the real reason you came here. Unfortunately, we have other matters to talk about. Mostly, we're here to review Scream 6. Now, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers... Scream 6 dies at the end. For real, though, uh, we
0: are... I'm assuming we haven't discussed this, Mike. We are going to do spoilers on this, right? We're not going to tiptoe around? I'm kind of tempted to discover how one talks about a Scream movie without spoiling it.
1: Uh, We just bleep out every other word like we're swearing Mm. constantly. So no one is made aware that the killers are actually bleep, bleep, and bleep.
0: Or we just replace everyone's name with Ghostface. I like that. That works. Can you believe that Ghostface ended up being Ghostface the whole time? Shocking, shocking details.
1: So, anyways, uh, hopefully, we haven't already ruined things for you by telling you that Ghostface is Ghostface. I would highly recommend just going to see the movie right now. You can do that. It's great. It. Yeah, I dare you. I, I don't think you have the guts. Go watch a movie. It is fantastic. Hey, it is really good, though. I think, Mike, this is going to be one of the rare times where both of us are in agreement where, yeah, no, that was fucking
0: phenomenal. Loved it. I am over the goddamn moon about this movie. I need to go
1: back and check it out a second time. I really loved it, but, you know, it was one of the movies where I enjoyed it so much I was able to turn off, like, the over-analytical side of me and just sit back and have fun. Normally I catch myself like writing a review of a movie halfway through it and thinking, Oh, that's stupid. I should just enjoy it for what it is the first time around and then podcasting has ruined us. Yep. But this time I was just having a good time. Uh so now if I go back and watch it again, I can start making connections to, okay, how does this play against the original Scream 2? Because I, I think it really is operating as a spiritual sequel to the original sequel more than anything else, even if it does have, you know. A couple of sly little references to Scream 3, returning characters from Scream 4. In my mind, this is trying its damnedest to do Scream 2 again.
0: It's an interesting kind of sideways version of Scream 2. And that's what I yeah. like about kind of like the, the ending twists and, and all that is because you start out going, here's here's this Ghostface killing the plot of a remake of Scream 2 that was about to take place with the film students and then circle back around to just being a sequel to the other part of that plot from scream too. I, I thought that was actually really smart and a brilliant way of playing up the, the basic slasher tropes of like remakes and, and requels.
1: And you could even look at it too, as not only are they killing off theater students that were, you know, going to carry out a scream they were explicitly trying to follow in Richie's footsteps, like, we're going to finish his movie. So it's almost like they're saying, no, 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 we're not just a sequel to Scream 5 that we pitched uh, or, or did. We're a sequel to the original Scream. We're, we're going to throw you back into that world even more by saying, no, 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 the, this plot line we're done with. Of course, the big joke there is that's also to throw you off the trail because it is entirely tied <laughs> into Scream 5 in the end
0: it's actually a a perfect hint that th- that's the actual truth behind behind ghostface the entire time it's just in a very different way that's what i love about you know who cares about the movies is like such a brilliant fucking way to start the start the yes flip. see that i loved
1: as a bit of foreshadowing cuz you watch that and you're like oh a ghostface that doesn't give a shit about stab that is something different so that that got my attention right away and i thought oh that's a cool hint we got to be looking for someone who's who's motive isn't scary movie based. And then I felt, unfortunately, this is like the one complaint I have is the ending was very easy for me to guess. I'm I'm typically pretty bad at putting together mysteries ahead of time. And this was one of the rare cases where I, I called out most of the things that happened at the end, way early in the movie, like as soon as they were set up.
0: I, I mean, I, I guess two main ghost face was yeah. pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, there, yeah. I mean, there was a part of me that was like, okay, it's either him or, we are going towards Kirby as, as the killer. And I like how they still meant, like, let that like, okay, all the, all the clues, like even the fuck the movies thing that could lead to Kirby being the killer. Let's still play with that a little bit. So you can still like, see what the alternate universe would have been like if Kirby was actually the killer before we mm. let that just be a red herring saying yeah. that that was a second guess who actually was Ghostface was, Granted, the other two characters involved, I didn't actually had guessed, but for the most part, yeah. So
1: they, they got me, basically, I, I knew what was going on. I was I was dead set on him, like, I've got it, I've got it. As soon as they're having, like, the little bit of exposition where the roommate was talking about, like, oh, you know, my, my brother died, and so I know what it's like. And she mentions her dad moving across the country to become a cop in town just to watch over her, and I'm like, oh, yep, okay this is how it plays out this is a revenge thing uh her brother died in the first one was was obviously Richie and they're gonna be in on it the dad is a cop so he's he can pull some strings i was I was surprised by the fact that there were three killers that was that was the bit that got me I only predicted the fake death of the daughter and the cop being the killer but I, I got two out of the three and then the last one was just kind of like uh eh, all right I guess like it's more exciting with three so why not throw
0: a third guy in there three killers has been threatened forever so everybody's been wanting to see it it's I true they i was do it last time so i'm kind of glad they blew their load with it now
1: it was exciting because we've been talking about you know a cult of Ghostface for years and then you see it in practice and you realize oh it is really hard to get three plus characters to to just kind of vanish at different points in the movie and still have it make sense so yeah. they had to go with a fake death very early on just to, to set this up.
0: Which was very brilliant. I mean, it does stretch credulity a little bit, like how he managed to cover that up, but yeah. that was that was a very clever use. And I will say, I from the complaints I've
1: seen, people talk about how dumb the plot is. And I can understand why someone would be frustrated with the plotting of this film. I'm not saying this is a negative because I feel like every scream entry operates on high melodrama. Like Mm, that is just the mechanism that's behind all of them. They're really soap operas, but not in aesthetic. So they're operating under those same mechanics and rules pretty often, but they, they don't look like a soap opera. So people forget that pretty easy and think, Oh yeah, slasher. But for a second here, let's just examine how wild this goddamn killer's plot was. (laughs) Um, The dad has to change his name, get a job across country, because we're assuming he's in California where his son was. Like, that's probably where the family was, right? Now they're in New York, so he has to move across the country, get a job in New York City. (laughs) Uh, He has to set up two guys who want to kill his enemy, but then surprise kill them first as part of a very complicated frame job. So he has some sort of semi-associated motive to the scream cathedral he has set up in his spare time by stealing scream evidence from across but uh, we should mention too the evidence he has stolen it's not just in woodsboro right because like there's been multiple locations where the scream movies have had shit go down so he had to go to like la and steal from the cops oh, there. Yeah. he had to like <laughs> he had to steal from so many different precincts um Then he has to get his kids into the same college. Both of them need to weasel their way into the lives of the core four characters somehow through fake identities. (laughs) Uh, The dad has to fake kill his daughter, sneak a corpse in, be the first cop on the scene so he can identify the body. He had to get himself assigned to this case also in the first place so he can be kicked off of the case. (laughs) Then he has to lie about Kirby and set her up within his own police department to make it look suspicious like, hmm this lady all his whole family at this point are under aliases and to top this off uh sam has to be unable to recognize her former boyfriend's family in any capacity which you you could maybe kind of slide that one like yeah maybe maybe richie just never showed him a picture of like his brother or sister or talked about his brother and sister who must have been Mm. like what twins Mm. because they all went to college at the same time
0: (laughs) it's it's a lot. It honestly is. I it's can a see lot considering Ghostface I... uh, ghost face motivations tend to be fairly simple.
1: Yeah. I'm, and I'm not even complaining. I didn't even, I took this in at the time going, well, that's a lot, but it wasn't like I threw my hands up. I'm like, Oh, this is ridiculous. I didn't care. It washes. Yeah, over it's it's, it's, it's fine. It, it works really honestly for how convoluted it is. All of the, the scream films have had some pretty silly convoluted bits I mean, even even in the first one, which is universally adored, fucking Billy sets the time up to fake his own death after having sex, so five minutes later he can pop back up and confuse Sydney for a grand total of thirty seconds. (laughs) Like these movies really are super high melodrama. I'm dead, but not really. I'm back. Oh, but now I'm dead. It's it's there to play with your emotional feelings and and be a
0: little silly. It's a game of whack a mole as a movie.
1: Yeah. So I can again. I get it. People that say Scream 6 is dumb, I hear you. I just don't care. Agreed. I think that's
0: a beautiful way of putting it. I just don't care. If
1: you can't get on that wavelength, I'm I'm sorry. That sucks. But I get it. Like, you're
0: not wrong. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm going to have fun. This is great. Uh, It's a lot of fun. But I also think it gets away with it because what Radio Silence is doing is, like, it's a very complicated plot because the movie isn't really about that plot. It's how... Like you very often it's the what are the machinations of Ghostface, you know, and, and stuff and how that relates to something greater. This was much more of a story on the sisters with that being something that aggravates the situation more than being like kind of the main through line, the main push through. And I, th- I I think that's what they're able to get away with having, like, such a complicated plot that if you start thinking about for more than five seconds, it kind of starts falling apart. And I don't mind those. That's most yeah. slasher movies, to be fair. And that's most oh, that's, movie
1: plots. I was about to say, that's half of Christopher Nolan's films. Like, they're so intricately plotted. If you stop and think about it, it's like, wait, why the fuck did Joker do half the things he did?
0: Yeah, all movie plots completely fall apart if you ta- if you think about them for more than five seconds. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. That's just actually just fiction in general. Don't pick <laughs> apart the plots because you can. That's, that's. I mean, there are certain films that
1: invite it, right? They're trying to tell you, hey, this is this is so well plotted or this is very realistic where you, you're you're invited as an audience member to to check the tires of the people. No. This isn't one of them. This, is, this no. is a movie where you're supposed to be sitting in the theater freaking out if Ghostface is going to be able to break into the bedroom in time to flip a stepladder that's stretched between two apartment buildings. Yeah, that's it. The concern is we are delivering you to immaculate set pieces and, and you just got to hang on for those. And that's what we want you to pay attention to. We want you to be freaking out on the subway because any one of these people could be a killer.
0: Yeah, it's the most um, roller coaster ride, I think, of any of the Scream movies by far. And- it's very it's very like, hey, let's tell like a um, we you got really attached to these characters. So we really want to tell this uh, kind of like personal uh, story about them. Also, it takes place in a funhouse.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's the kind of thing that makes me think of Scream 2 as a spiritual sequel, right? Because in Scream 2, we introduced a lot more kind of big, cool set piece action beats to the Scream franchise, right? Um, there, there's the moment where Dewey and Gail are going through the the recording booths, you know, the soundproof rooms and being mm. stalked by Ghostface. We have the moments uh, at the end where the cop car crashes and they're trying to sneak past Ghostface as he's knocked out. Those kind of set pieces, yeah, those, those have been blown up times 10 for this film. And this film basically operates really on those more than anything else. So I, I think it looked at how the structure of Scream 2 threw things up in the air and said, yeah, let's let's roll with that. Great idea. And it really works for this film. Also, the location change. I don't want to get away from the fact that they've incorporated kind of a new fun gimmick to the franchise of this one's in New York City. It, obviously, we've had location changes before. Scream 2, they go to college. Scream 3, they go to Hollywood. But this time, it actually feels right. Like, to, the college situation, that was fine. There's nothing wrong with that. L.A. didn't feel right for Scream 3 for a ton of no, reasons. No, and they I never felt like them.
0: they were in different locations. Yeah different buildings but that was it they they never if you told me um that was hollywood in woodsboro i would have believed you if that (laughs) if they were in college in woodsboro i would have believed you right
1: whereas this one i've heard some people oh they didn't do they didn't film in new york it's like well that's because only people in new york know the difference like to to the rest of us who've only seen montreal standing in for new york our entire lives because it's cheaper to film there they've captured new york city on camera Plus, it has those New York tropes that we're all excited for. It's the stuff that you know we we kind of wish to see in Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh, yeah. We've got a, a subway chase, a pagoda attack. It's it's great. We have all those kind of moments put together. There's a college frat party. Everyone is just dressed. The fuck. The, the, the beginning. The beginning of the movie is a woman killed in a
0: dark alley while no one's paying attention to her. It's I God that I love that sequence because it's so giallo. Because giallos are really the only ones who did city slashers. And that feels like so Italian horror to me. I, I I love that.
1: I still stand by my – my. I stand by this. I, I know people disagree 100%. You know how sparkling wine is really just champagne that's not made in France? Scream, the entire franchise, is just American giallo. You can't call it that yeah. because it wasn't made in the right country. But that's all it is. Like I don't even consider it. A slasher truly, which is funny because all of, all of the tropes they make fun of are it's about you know, a slasher. slasher but fix Yeah, it. yeah. yeah you're right. The mechanics and everything else, you know, you got a leather gloved killer behind a mask who eventually just picks up a gun and starts shooting people when it gets hard. Like <laughs> the motivations are sexual repression a lot of time or just psychomania. It's they're fucking a lot giallo of
0: giallos films. are fourth wall breaking and have meta qualities to them. Yeah.
1: And so I agree. It's, it's pretty rare to get a slasher that's set in the city. And you can see reasons for that, right? I mean, there's cops everywhere. It's, 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 it seems very impractical. It, yeah, it's tough. Like there's going to be people around. How do you make that work? Obviously, there have been some that have done it or have sections within cities. But this one goes out of its way to basically put the entire thing in New York City around other characters. It's only at the very end when they kind of lock themselves into Ghost Faces Theater uh, <laughs> that things change.
0: Yeah, I, I was um, shocked that they were able to get away with – not not get away with, but they were able to wring so much out of the New York setting because you kind of think like, oh, it's going to be a gimmick for like – you see the subway sequence <laughs> in the trailers and stuff, yeah. which, is, which I still can't believe they were able to go that far with that. But there's a I lot. I thought we flow. saw the entire thing in the trailer. Yeah. I,
1: thought, I thought they spoiled it, and then I also assumed because I saw people in costumes and you see people in costumes at the very start of the film – that they were just showing you something from the first act. I had no idea they managed
0: to, to hold on to that for so long. Oh, boy. Impressive stuff. And they were able to do a lot with the New York setting that I would never have thought of. Like, that wasn't... It, w- it definitely didn't feel like a gimmick. It was to throw you off completely.
1: And I like the the feel. I mean, it's it's a different feel, too, than what you got in the other yeah. Scream films. And I, I appreciate that. Because it's almost kind of a gimmick hidden in there to get people excited about a Scream 6. Even though it's technically... a Scream 2, depending on which (laughs) series you're really paying attention to, because I know there's some (laughs) people that jumped on at 5, and they're not interested in really going back. Plus, uh, as long as we're talking gimmicks here, uh, underplayed, but not to the level of feeling inconsequential, like some of the other plot gimmicks we've seen uh, in Scream 3, mostly, uh, the mass countdown mechanic. I, I think that adds kind of a fun stopwatch function to the movie. Like, you know, they're getting closer and closer. So you don't have to worry about the film dragging out for another two hours because like, oh boy, we're, we're almost on that last mask. And it does act as a bit of a red herring because now you're thinking, oh, this is a ghost face who says he doesn't care about the movies, but he's got a ghost face shrine dedicated to all of them. And each crime scene, he is purposely leaving behind masks from the previous killers. So it feels like, oh, this is really closely tied to the legacy of Ghostface. This guy really has to care about the franchise. And yeah, no. It's it's personal revenge. It's it's the motive from two Nancy Loomis all over again and uh they've managed to trick you.
0: Which which is also kind of a fun history repeating itself thing. I I I I like stories that play with um how cyclical certain events can can be. And I like when movies get to uh to do that a little bit a little bit more because ah, there's something about going back over those similar events but with different characters in slightly different situations that's the bread and butter of slashers i mean that's what yeah, people exactly <laughs> i mean that's as much as
1: people talk about scream breaking the formula and being so creative you got to look at it. we're six movies in and it's got a pretty rigid formula that it adheres to for every movie it's it's not like oh we can go to space with this one we can really break the rules here no they they kind of know what they can and can't do so you've got to appreciate those little variations and the the finer mechanics happening.
0: Yeah, and you can go to space, but it still doesn't really change the basic mechanics of it because you have to stay in the who done it sort of um, s- sphere. And so, I, and the fact that it's kind of going over and commenting on tropes anyway, the fact that it is inevitably doing the scream two thing again. And not really being about movies makes it more ironic and I think actually makes it um, maybe more meta than it was intended to be in that way. <laughs> See, I felt they were taking a little bit of a risk because, like you said, they're not throwing
1: it all the way in your face, what, what the subtext on franchises is. You, you really have the one scene where they tell you directly, we're in a franchise, and they kind of break down the rules and have a Randy moment. And then it's dropped, and they, they don't really have other characters spouting off information about franchises or new rules so often. Surprisingly, even though all of these characters are in film studies courses, we don't even get a uh, scene of them in the classroom arguing the merits of franchises. Like in 2, where we have them arguing if there are any good sequels.
0: Oh, we d- they didn't want uh, Twitter to have a discourse about that scene's existence for <laughs> 25 years straight.
1: Why not? Fuck it. Twitter will be dead in like 10 days. I keep saying that every
0: 10 days. That scene in Scream 2 is really good. And that was actually how people talked about sequels at the time.
1: It's fun. It's memorable. It gives the characters something to do that isn't try to not die, which is a vital component in the Scream movies. We like Scream because we like the characters and we like the characters because they have more to do than Scream and worry about being stabbed. That's the best moments in Scream, probably, besides obviously like the big, big chase scenes are those character moments where you just get to see these people bond. Yeah. When you can see Sid and her friends having lunch and just kind of uh, talking about the murders. I mean, yeah, it's murder adjacent. But getting to see their personalities and their jokes, that's great. I actually enjoy having characters to root for. It it makes the kills all the more tragic in the end. Scream has always understood that. So, yes, the college scene is vital
0: to Scream 2. I'm putting my foot down. They need it. Also, if you just stop being a dickbag about that scene for a second and watch it with in mind that Mickey's the killer, it's actually really interesting.
1: Yeah, Randy is basically dunking on the whole time like, hey, man, (laughs) sequels are by definition inferior. No, they're not. Leave me alone. No, mine's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, mine will be cool, I swear. So anyways, I thought that was a bold choice for them to go that route of, hey, we're really going to focus on the set pieces this time instead of the sequel talk or the meta talk. It yeah. might be there. I've seen it once, so I, I haven't dug up extensively what's in the movie. But it does feel like they said, okay, we only have so much time. What is more important, to, to get people cling to the edge of their seat uh, as they have like the, the market attack? Or do we want them to have a scene where they sit around in college and, and kind of shoot the shit with the killers who will die in the opening scene? Yeah. And in this I, case, I think they made the right choice because these set pieces are yeah. are so good. That market scene where Ghostface is walking around with a shotgun, that's
0: fantastic. I love oh, that. So good. Uh, I love I love military Ghostface so much. Um, <laughs> just cocking a shotgun and shit. But just, yeah, I think uh, there's blown probably a guy's lot more... face off like two inches away. Oh, this motherfucker doesn't care. This Ghostface is a bastard with a rotting mask on. Is... The entire series is going to have a real hard time topping that sequence going forward. It will. Um, But yeah, I think there's probably a lot more meta stuff in there. It's just going to be a lot more subtle than it was in previous Scream movies. And you kind of go in expecting, not necessarily in your face, like it's Scream 3 or something, but along the lines of of Scream 5 where the characters end up kind of talking about it and you get what the thesis of this particular film is. I couldn't tell you exactly what the thesis of Scream 6 is yet, but I know it has one.
1: I mean, we we have character bits, right? Like uh, Sam and Tara basically trying to discuss getting over trauma. So I I think that's like a general just kind of theme throughout. I don't know if that's the, the actual like thesis of the movie, but it's definitely something important that clings to the whole thing. And then we have the bonding of the core four. So there, there's kind of almost a brotherhood thing there. Core and the four. idea of adoptive families, you because know, the dad is obviously after vengeance because his family was hurt, blah, blah, blah. I, it, there, there's stuff there, but I don't know if that's the key thing. I feel like I'm going to have to be that lunatic that watches scream two and scream six at the exact same time, like synced up just to see what, like, what goes together at the same time. gonna we'll be watching one in reverse to see if they go over each other at certain points. Well,
0: they are both about trauma outside I, well, of the Well, that's another
1: medicine. nice thing about the franchise, too. It, it, it has the ability to say, oh, cool, we have legacy characters that have been in the franchise for almost 30 years. We really can explore how people deal with these things. Because normally in a horror movie, it, it's accepted, hey, your characters will grieve for a dead character for about two minutes, and then they've got to book it. And if they make it to the sequel, we'll even forget about the past characters who died. It's, it's rare for that stuff to really hang along because it's rare to have legacy characters in these types of movies. Yeah. Scream can get away with that. So it's, it's nice that they can essentially make that a big piece of this movie. Obviously we've seen more of it too, as other things have done the legacy approach like Halloween, but uh, that's part of the commentary as well.
0: How, how'd how you feel about um, Sid being left out? Obviously outside of the reasons to why Sid was left out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, obviously, it's it's a huge bummer that they didn't pay her what she was worth. Um, that kind of casts a pall on the entire situation. But in movie, I think it's a nice send off to basically say she's earned her happy ending. Leave the character alone. Yeah, because no one wants to see Sydney actually die, especially at this point, because mm-hmm. how would they tie it in, you know, in a way that's satisfying? We're moving on to new characters. We should let the old ones kind of gracefully fall off. I almost feel the same way about uh, Gail. Like they, they didn't even really need her so much. She got a great scene in the movie though, where she finally gets her ghost face call. Yes. So it makes up for it, but that's, that's been a problem screams had since scream four trying to marry its legacy and it's reboot uh, reboot. I turned Canadian there for a second reboot uh, Mm -hmm. reboot characters uh, trying to meld those together because they, they just don't have a great reason to put all these guys together other than they're being killed off. And it's been a drag on the franchise. Honestly, it's, great that we we apparently are in a phase now where we can just kind of move on maybe 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 Gail gets a small cameo in seven I feel the same way like we don't need to kill a legacy character off at this point
0: it's Dewey was the maximum
1: they, they already set up yeah like hey you're invested we mean business they can just move on now and we've got the core four if you really want to fuck with us you've got four characters or if you kill any of them off we're invested now it's going to mean business
0: I will be devastated if any one of those characters dies
1: yeah. I mean, they have already made them feel almost very thought.
0: bulletproof, which is the only shame about, you know. They're so bulletproof part six that probably most of them will die in the next installment.
1: <laughs> I I feel like, yeah, they're a little too sentimental in that regard. Maybe I, part of it comes back to, and two, when Randy dies, they, they were pretty much everyone involved in that movie said, yeah, that was maybe a mistake. We probably shouldn't have killed off Randy. But I think that was a smart move. Like, that that had yeah, some teeth. I think that Randy, that I, I will
0: always stand by the death of Randy.
1: Yeah. Everyone loves that character, which is why it's great they did it. It was very bold. This movie, it's like, man, Gail survives. You know, she gets her big hero moment, and she still gets stabbed and survives. Fucking, oh, man, Tara gets stabbed, like, multiple times. She's again, she's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Meeks, like, they, they get stabbed all over the place. And they're still somehow running around and getting stabbed more. Even even the other legacy characters like Kirby comes back and gets
0: stabbed and then she's shot and then she comes back. It's they they let a lot go through here. Yeah, I do wish Kirby maybe wasn't also shot or at least maybe wasn't also stabbed. Like I think you could have one or the other, but that's
1: about it's, it. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's tough too, right? Because we love the core four, so I'm excited to have them back for another movie. But that gives them more ammo to hopefully torture us with in a
0: a, a Scream Seven someone's gotta die right at this point yeah unless they literally are like superhuman and that's part of the plot i mean that was always the joke with dewey and see where that got him
1: i mean he did make it through four of these things in pretty good shape
0: sure to be honest with you if they reveal dewey was still alive like he just wandered on over (laughs) and this theme played i'm like yeah that 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 adds up to
1: that end though we we gotta talk about uh, everyone's favorite conspiracy theory.
0: Stu is alive, which this movie seems to go have its way to say. No, he is not. It's it's interesting. Because um Radio Silence said that killing a c uh, killing a character by dropping a TV on their head was their way of saying, like, nope, that definitely then that definitely would have killed Stu. Stu's dead. Hmm. But at the same time, they're also saying that they when asked if Stu would return had a possibility of returning. They said like, who knows? <laughs> and there are all those hints and like the, and the poster and whatnot with his name, slightly grayed out. And, and of course there was the line of, if you believe he's dead, which obviously is having fun and just being a meta line, but radio Silence, the entire scream series. And I, I think radio silence um, has followed suit between what is in this movie and, and what was in the last one of the meta never breaks reality. So you wouldn't say something that wouldn't make sense in the reality the characters are in. Although in the police station
1: we do see uh when they have the ghost face board up, they've got a picture of Stu and then they've got a sign underneath that, that says deceased, which seems like if the cops are saying
0: it, they probably have some pretty good evidence that that guy is dead. Very true, very true. It just seems strange that you would have a character call out if you believe he's dead, because th- there's no like there's no if if he's fucking dead. That's just a known <laughs> fact. Like, well, So it seems. Yeah, strange. there's never been a
1: part of the movie that has gone into the idea that he's gone. Only the fans have ever commented about that. Yeah.
0: Um, so I, I don't know. Um, it would. It's one of those things where it's like, well, do you want the do you want them to open that door? is it better that way to just say that stew's dead or is that just really fun like stew's out there because everyone fucking ignores stew as a motivation for
1: one of the killers that'd be one that'd be like yeah all aboard if we just had a mastermind hannibal lecter stew who was somehow flinging ghost faces at our characters i could go with that as a retcon of three you know in three it's like oh roman set it all up and it feels dumb if Stu was doing that same thing, it'd feel a little funny because it's Stu who expects Stu to be the mastermind. But yeah. it is also like, oh, that's interesting because this guy has a built-in motive. He's beloved by the fan base. It would it would kind of flow, and that would be a one way to bridge your legacy characters and your new characters together. That'd make perfect sense. It'd be organic. However, with, with Sydney basically kind of being sunsetted from the series and maybe Gale as well and doing Being Dead – does does it make sense to 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 bring him in anymore, or is that ship
0: sailed as well? I don't know. Well, when you're dealing with the daughter of Billy, there is something there because her existence has made Billy more important in the realm of that universe. Like has made Billy like the like the fact he has a daughter walking around has made him like the ultimate scream killer, the ultimate stab killer in yeah. universe. That's true. So I could just see that, like, that's a very meta and cool story outside of it being Stu as just the sidekick character of a movie plot getting really pissed off that everyone's ignored him and ends up being the most brilliant killer of the entire series. (laughs) Just throw
1: everyone for a loop. Have him come back. There's two competing ghost faces. He's back in the business to protect his lover's daughter. (laughs) surprise good guy ghost face from the grave yeah you can make that as silly as you want um let it happen i guess and as silly as you want there is that kind of odd beat where they they do the halloween type deal where (laughs) sam is holding the mask and 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 the orchestra kicks up and oh no is she gonna turn and then the movie ends if they're dropping the mask but We've seen this in a couple different films where it's kind of hinted that, oh, what if our hero is like the new villain next time around? And it, it's it's interesting. This one pays homage to that. I don't know if it's truly going to be set up for a sauce. Uh, 7. Saw, I keep saying Saw 7. Scream 7? Or if, if that is kind of a nod to just her past, her trauma, and just how other movies have done it.
0: I, I think it's interesting. They It doesn't feel like they've resolved that character's arc in regards to that stuff yet. Like they made a stride and like reached a set like like there's three destinations to it and they've hit the second destination. But we haven't quite gotten to the finish line of, of whatever this arc is yet.
1: I am excited because it does give a through line to this new trilogy. Assuming it's going to be a trilogy, for all I know they might just keep making these things. Uh but it, it's it's nice. It wasn't like oh all of her hallucinations went away after the last movie we still have that plot carrying on in the background and we even have a moment where you know she's getting therapy and the therapist finds out her deal and he just goes nope I'm out of here so you're right it hasn't really been resolved in canon so they they are giving themselves a lot of fodder to work with in future entries
0: it it, it does feel like it's strange that it's um, it feels like a triumphant moment when she wears the outfit <laughs> Well, it always is like Sydney
1: bursting out of the closet oh, wearing yeah. the ghost face costume. It's anytime someone puts it on to use it to turn uh, the tides on evil. Ooh, that's exciting.
0: That's, uh, that's what I thought was fun about it, though, is we've seen it like dozens of times at this point is someone else wearing the fucking ghost face outfit. But this is the only time where it has like a strong emotional connection. Like, oh, she's supposed to be wearing the ghost face outfit. That's a really weird thought. That's like someone putting. it's like that's like Laurie putting on the Michael Myers mask and going like, "Oh, this makes sense." <laughs> I mean, that's not so far the the picture though, right? Wasn't that kind of hinted at a little
1: bit in some of the alternate or original drafts of Halloween Ends? Yeah, like the novelization. You know, Laurie's got the – Spoilers for Halloween Ends. Uh, Laurie's <laughs> got Myers' mask just sitting on her table, and and they're like, "Wait, something's sinister happening." Is she the new evil? So I, I think that's something that screenwriters have been flirting with for forever. They've always wanted to be like, what if our hero was the bad guy? Ooh. And it's, in this case, it's cool because they can they can have them use their stab powers for good. In this case, like <laughs> the evildoer will be struck down by their own means. You know, they're they're gonna unleash their inner stabbing abilities, just stab the fuck out of this bad guy. Uh it's it's cool. You get to actually cheer for the slasher. Not ironically, not because like, oh, Chad is a douche. I can't wait till Jason chops him in half. This time it's like, nope, this is a good character and they're righteous in their, their slashing. That's fun. That's a neat twist.
0: It is. It, it The, uh, the Scream universe is like if Slasher is like an inherited superpower, like you're a mutant.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's how they treat it, right? Oh, your dad was a serial killer. You must be one too.
0: Which is also just meta for real life. Which um, which kind of amused me, just like a true crime psychopath. But um, <laughs> and th- and there, I think there is actually some meta nature about what tr- how true crime affects a populace, um, especially now more that it's uh, true crime's a lot more mainstream than it used to be when when back in my day when we just had th- like special on the History Channel at like nine a.m. because they had to be hidden. Uh, or unsolved mysteries, but um, now oh, it's everywhere. Now you can just pull up any fucking true crime thing on Netflix and it's great, but it's also just, it's not as, it's not as dark and backwards anymore. But I digress.
1: Um, well, to to that level, I mean, that's kind of a new plot I've seen in some horror things like a uh, clown in a cornfield Two, where it brings forward the idea of social media and Hey, everyone knows what's happening or at least they think they do, because we're, we're all sharing so much information. They're just getting snippets from all over, and it's easy to manipulate the truth. So it's not like in the original series where the truth was what Gail Weathers said it was, and she reported, this is like, hey, anyone with a camera who recorded any of these bits of scenes can put together a narrative. And now you have all of New York City thinking, hey, what if these people are bad? So I thought that was kind of a fun use of technology, kind of a way to
0: update these films and make them feel of their time. Quick question. What did you feel about Gail's plot of having once again been shitty and written a book? <laughs>
1: uh, at this point, it should be guaranteed that if someone is stabbed to death in a ghost face costume, Gail Weathers is going to write a book about it. So I'm not surprised. It's a little rote at this point that Gail Weathers is going to be the mega bitch and then everyone wants a piece of her. But I would be lying if I didn't say that bit of fan service had me laughing in the theaters when she was uh, dodged the first punch and then got the second one. That was good. That was very good. Uh, I, I, I under, that that's one of the reasons that- why I think maybe Gale should go, because at this point it's like, uh, yeah, we've done her character stuff so many times. It's it's She's more tangential to the plot. It's almost like they need one character to be a bastard, but a lovable one. I, it's It's been done so much. I'd be okay if they just went... It didn't
0: really serve a point for her to be a bastard other than... Like you said, a kind of fan service stuff. It resets the Which characters. Isn't
1: bad. Like they were so nice to her at the end of the last one, her and Sydney, where they're like, "Thank you," you know, they're just doing like the audience stand-in thing. Yeah, that it, it felt like they almost had to go, "Oh, we got to step this back. We we were maybe a little too much at the end of our last film, <laughs> and My now we need to, to recalibrate."
0: It, I mean, it doesn't necessarily bother me, um, like in a way where it's like, "Oh, I wish the movie didn't do that," but to me, it did kind of. That was a really nice ending she had in five in regards to Dewey. So seeing that retroactively when she says that uh, of the book she is going to write and now know, oh, she doesn't actually do that. She just goes back to being shitty Gail. <laughs> it's weird in retrospect. And, th- and that kind of that I wish they didn't do.
1: Yeah. i. It doesn't bother me that much. Um, but again, that's because the focus really is right on our new characters. If this was trying to develop our legacy characters more instead of giving them kind of fan
0: service legacy
1: cameos, yeah. then I'd be mad.
0: That's why I'm – even though I don't like the circumstances of it, um, yeah, just let Sydney have a happy ending. She didn't need to be in this one.
1: Now, I'm curious. Do you think they originally had it set up that Sydney would have essentially been doing Kirby's role? Like not necessarily course. as an FBI agent, but she would she have been like the expert who comes in and like, you know, she's the one who sets up the theater, and then they go, well, you can't trust her; she's got a history with all these guys. Uh, to to set up that maybe she was going to be a killer, and if so, no
0: one would believe that Sydney was the killer, so that would kind of falls. No, flat. no, no, no one, no one would have thought. But I mean, maybe the, the Radio Silence said they had they were always working off two versions of the scripts for that entire period until it was all sorted out. So, and I they did, and they and they said it would have, the, it would have was, fit though, right? Like an entire hall of ghost
1: faces, like that would have made a thousand percent sense to be like, "Oh, Sydney snapped, and she was the one doing it all." Like to make her the villain there in in the frame job, totally checks out.
0: Yeah, um, but at the same time, they said they didn't change very much. Like removing Sydney from the plot didn't was was just was very easy, which made me think she probably didn't have much of a role to begin with. Yeah,
1: and if if you if you can take a character out and not have to retool your script, eh, you probably should take that character out.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think it was a matter of Sydney's here because Sydney is is the scream franchise. But I... well,
1: even in the context,
0: she, she, she just would have had to fly out to New York City, like leave her husband and baby behind,
1: <laughs> and go to anything. where all yeah. the danger is. And it's like eh, you could have forced it, and people would have been excited to see her.
0: Yeah, of but course. It's I mean, not necessary. That's
1: that's the tough call the movie has to make. That's kind of their Randy moment of, let's just get rid of one of these characters.
0: They left the window open so she can come back at any time, but yeah. And is the thing, if you keep having Sydney come back and not die, you're just like, the sand in the hourglass is going to run out and you're going to have to kill her if you want her to keep appearing, or you're literally hurting the series based on the reality you've built for it. Mm-hmm. So... Just don't have her show up anymore. Especially when there's... Unless it's going to be about Sydney in some way, it's not necessary. Because now there's even less tangentially related. Like, there's no Dewey to hold her to yeah. to going somewhere. There's no Woodsboro. And we're all on board for the new characters. So you don't... You didn't actually need Gale in this. Which I think is it's cool she was there. And I think having one more last legacy character appear um before like shuffling off. I would like no legacy characters in the next one.
1: I'd be with you on that point. Unless that's Kirby. Kirby, Well, okay, so Kirby's interesting situation because she was already part of like the first soft reboot pool. Uh, So she's she I would say is the middle ground. She is in limbo. She's not quite a legacy character and she's not one of the new kids. Right. I, I would say you could probably treat her as one of the new kids on the block for all purposes. If you wanted to bring her back next time, that's fine. I think you can
0: make that work and no one would be upset. So much time had passed between the two movies. So you're able to do such so much um, between the lines development of her. She might as well have been a new character. Not that she wasn't still Kirby, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, she's in completely two different stages of her life
1: plus the timelines on that this is like such a nerd nitpick but i was sitting there trying to do the math like wait she said she was in high school at the same time as sam just a couple years older so that's that's weird to think that sam was in Woodsboro, woodsboro high like when the last set of murders happened in town it's a little odd yeah it's a little odd yeah and then you're like wait so she's she's like supposed to be what in the movie 30 or something just slightly over 30 and she's a member of the fbi in the field i don't know enough about the fbi that seems wrong for some reason, I all imagine they were like forty year olds.
0: It seems advanced, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it slasher logic.
1: That's it. Like I put it behind me, but I'm sitting there, like <laughs> doing some math in my head in the theater. Like, hold on, wait, does this make sense?
0: Ah, it, it, fuck it, move on. I do like how Kirby. It kind of lived up to all of us wanting Kirby to return by, and then Kirby became an ultimate badass between movies. <laughs> I, I proudly wore my Kirby Lives shirts to to see this in the theater. It's <laughs> very happy.
1: It's fine. She'll she'll be the first one killed off in Scream Seven, set in a
0: cabin out in the woods. If if Kirby ever dies in one of these for real, though, <laughs> I I may leave the theater. There's just it, like I don't think my heart could take that after Kirby's alive. Kirby's alive. Kirby's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding out hope for so long. I still have hope that Jill will somehow come back. Jill dead. Just just leave it. She's gone. I know, Jill's dead. Can't we have nice things? Why can't we have uh, Jill and Stu fucking coming back and
1: What's left of Jill? She got electrocuted and then like shot in the brain. Very little. Shot in the head? You...
0: Or did you... she I, I'm having she might have been shot in the chest. I can't remember. I think she was shot in the chest. I can't remember. yeah, it's been a while. I'm gonna say dead. Super dead. I always forget about that hospital scene. But yeah, probably dead. Stu's alive though. For sure. Oh, yeah. We're going to hold on to that one. Until you I mean, it's, completely deny it. I mean.
1: it's, it's almost guaranteed we're getting a, a Scream 7 at this point, right? Like in the first two weeks, the movie internationally made like $120 million on a $30 million budget.
0: Oh, yeah. They don't seem like, to be slowing down. They don't want to wait three or four years for the next one to come out. Yeah,
1: let's not do this stream 3 formula of, like, ah, oh, crap, we're having such a hard time getting everyone back now that they're popular. Like, just hold those guys to contracts and get them moving through these as quick as possible. These motherfuckers keep aging. General <laughs> well, it you know, just that...
0: keeps getting busier and busier and busier. Exactly, yeah.
1: General Ortega is just, like, the biggest thing in Hollywood right now, so it's like, oh, shit. That's going to be hard to get her scheduled. <laughs> Good for her. What a problem to have. Like, I keep starring in things people like.
0: Ugh. And horror things people like, I thought.
1: That's true, all right, so I think we're we're closing out in forty plus minutes here. We should wrap it up, but before we go mike we we do have one last piece of business. We have to determine through an online quiz, the most official form of quiz, which ghost face are you? Oh, so Mike, uh, I've got the chart in front of me. I've already done mine. I'll reveal it at the end. Okay, but one, what is your motive? Is it fun,
0: fame, jealousy, or revenge? <laughs> Hmm. You know, I think a lot of times for me, it would be fun. We're going with fun. All right, moving
1: on. Uh, I also need to say, uh, this only includes the killers up through five. Whoever wrote this didn't want to put spoilers in, so we don't have the killers for six available. So you'll never know if you're actually one of the newest killers. Uh, who are you attacking first? Is it going to be the first kill, the final girl, the expert, or the girl slash boyfriend?
0: I would go for the expert. The expert? Take are taking down yeah, right. yeah, it 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 seems like that's a that's a button kill. <laughs>
1: uh, what is your demeanor after your reveal? Uh, just more murder, mockery, straightforward, or raising the shock factor? Uh, mockery, mockery. I'm not surprised. Mm. Uh, f- fighting style: Are you a chaser, messy and brutal, punch first, stab later, or a sneak
0: attack kind of ghost face? Uh definitely messy and brutal. Messy and brutal. I would all right, slip all, right. all over the place, but I would hit you with things. That's important. Uh,
1: uh, let's see. How are you leaving the crime scene? Uh, is everything set up to make the death look cooler? Is there going to be a little bit of cleanup? Uh, you know, cover your tracks. You're going to leave it just how it is, or is it a complete fucking mess?
0: It'll probably be a complete
1: mess. Complete mess. All right. Uh, what is the best Scream movie Scream, Scream 2, 3, 4, or Scream 2022. There's also the option for the Scream MTV show, but they warn you this has zero effect on result if you pick that one. It's
0: like a free pass. What an odd thing to include. Um, Scream 2. Scream 2 is your favorite. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, What's
1: your good trait, Mike? Is it humor, knowledge, independence, or charm? You must pick one.
0: Uh, I'm going to say knowledge
1: yep it's all about that poetic edda. Mm.
0: all
1: right alright uh, what is your bad trait are you easily angered, uh, angered a liar, unhinged or you have bad self control mm. mm. I was hoping you were like eating a donut as you were thinking about this Just God, thinking, oh, I wish oh it's I had a self control um,
0: I'm gonna say easily angered easily angered alright
1: uh, and then I think this is the last question what is the best ghost face are we going Billy Loomis Mrs. Loomis, Roman Bridger, Charlie Walker, Stu Mocker, Mickey Altieri, Jill Roberts, Amber Freeman, or Richie Kirsch? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Choose. This is no brand for me. I was, I was Billy all the way. Although, it depends on what do you mean by best ghost face? Like, most impactful, the one who killed the most.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to, like, okay, how am I going to break this down in my head? Personal like favorite.
1: Like, you just got to pick a method and stick. If you
0: say Roman, though, I will... Just shut the results down. You don't. You don't get them. Never. I just blanked that out when you said that. It's just my brain yep. went beep. Um, hmm. You know, I'm. I'm going to go a, a little bit, a little bit out of left field, and I think I'm going to say Mrs. Loomis. Wow.
1: Okay. I thought you were going to say Mickey. That was where my money was
0: riding. Uh, it was close to Mickey. Um, <laughs> Jill was actually up there quite a bit. Jill is very devious. But I like the the murder tableau that Mrs. Loomis is going for. Like just that unhinged vengeance vibe. <laughs> I like that. Like she went extra with it. And I, I and I would say Mickey, but to me, a lot of what made Mickey a good ghost face is the instruction of Mrs. Loomis. So to me, like the viciousness he shows is from Mrs. Loomis, so I got to go Mrs. Loomis. I mean, she's the one who gets Randy, too, so it's like she gets the biggest kill. Oh, yeah. Which, By as right, you know, I we want.
1: We're calculating here, and I'm pretty sure these results are rigged because we got the same ghost face. And that is... And I answer completely different than you. Like, I don't think we matched on anything for any of our answers. <laughs> but according to uh, com's Which Ghost Face Are You Quiz, you are mrs loomis fuck you you killed randy you crazy goose bitch
0: yeah
1: wow you're yeah. mrs loomis i got mrs loomis i didn't even, i didn't say anything like you said so i i think everyone just gets mrs loomis i think this thing's rigged man I don't i don't see you as a mrs loomis i didn't either i was half insulted I'm trying to think who i'd see you as you need one of those like little paper things that you fold up and you ask questions. And then you're like, which is your favorite color, blue or red? And then yeah, eventually you leave it up to the reveal. Fate. Yeah. Your boyfriend is ch- 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 Stu Mocker. Honestly, I'd probably say
0: Billy over Stu. Ah, oh, I'd take it. Unearned, but I would take it. It's close. I mean, you know, it's close to Stu. At least you get to hang out with Stu. True. I mean, Billy's the one who's got his shit together. He's uh, He's doing all the heavy work here. That is true. Uh, Stu's more of like, I I guess being Stu is like, yeah, you get to be Matthew Lillard, but you also get to be be practically a monkey. (laughs) Stu's a little (laughs) bit over monkey. Now I'm just stuck on how tall is uh, to the internet. You looking up how tall Matthew Lillard is?
1: I am. I want to know. He seems very tall. For some reason, too. I did a dumb thing where I typed in how tall is Stu (laughs) Mocker. They're one in the same, Cody. <laughs> which is great because it just pulls the facts from uh, from fandom's Scream Wiki. So you actually get StuMacher, age seventeen. I don't think that's right anymore. Born nineteen seventy nine. Status deady. I like how they use deady to describe the dead. Deady uh, height six foot three. He's a very tall man.
0: Weight, okay, now we have to find out is Matthew Lure the same is, height yeah, how tall? as StuMacher. <laughs>
1: How tall is Matthew?
0: Because if there's a discrepancy, that means oh, that wasn't his oh. quote. Wow, if this is acting.
1: Because in real life, Matthew Lillard is six foot four, according to the internet. Jesus, he's a giant. I also like that Google said people also search for Skeet Al- Ulrich, six foot tall, Freddie Prince Jr., six foot one, Christina Hendricks, five foot seven. I don't know how she got on this list. Um, beautiful people. I kind of get Freddie Prince Jr. because, you know, the, the slasher connection and Skeet, obviously. But was Christina Hendricks in a horror movie before? Yes, like, the yes she was in Pray Strangers Dawn? too.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, no. That's before a, I know. But she that's, was in a, I mean, that's, that, a that that's a movie. big jump. Yeah, that, that's true. 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 Uh, maybe Freddie is only on there for Wing Commander.
1: Oh, wait. I think they were in a TV show together like The Good Wife or something like that. Not that yeah, anyone gives a fuck because we were supposed to be talking about the Scream, but folks, oh, oh, yeah, good exactly. girls, good girls, oh, good girls of the show, uh, not the good wife. I had the good uh, part. Oh yeah,
0: did a lot of TV.
1: Yeah, I think their characters are married. They share the same. Their characters share the
0: same last name on that show. Yeah, I'm, I'm mystery to
1: be solved. The most important part of our Scream
0: review. Yeah, I hope you had a good time, everybody.
1: That's right. This is our post-credit scene, probably end or ending wrapped together because I didn't do a good job separating them. But Whatever. thank you for joining us. Maybe. Hey, wait, wait. We we had a little bit of a hiatus here. We're back. Rusty. Glad you stuck with us. And if you haven't seen Scream Six yet, I don't know why the fuck you just listened to us blabber for an hour. But thank you. Appreciate it.
0: If you More decision making on your part though.
1: Yeah, maybe you just put us on the background. I don't know. Whatever you do. Mm -hmm. It helps our better. Uh, if you really want to help the show, you can go to iTunes or wherever you leave reviews for podcasts. I assume other platforms take reviews and say something nice about the show. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, And if you want to check out other episodes of Box Office Pulp, you can find us on boxofficepulp.com. We are on Google. Uh, I'm just going to leave it as Google because I never remember if it's fucking Google Music or what it is.
0: Google Podcasts. uh, Google Podcasts. Amazon Music. Spotify. Spotify, baby. all, All the places podcasts are at, which you can subscribe to and find our entire back catalog.
1: You can also find us on social media at Box Office Pulp. So if you want to send us hate mail... That's also the place to do it. Please
0: do. I like hate mail.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the Cone O'Brien hates my country. We're we're into it. True. I, I sometimes print them out and roll in them. <laughs> I'm using them to uh insulate my apartment. It's how I stayed so warm this winter. Ah, like a bear. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Bears don't hmm. Use it hate mail like a... to insulate themselves in caves. It I seems don't know. like a question for the far side. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Gary Larson some some questions. Anyways, folks, thank you so much for joining us. This is the last goodbye, I promise. That's a wrap. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, no, I've been stabbed. Again? God damn it, Mike. At least you said to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And like that, he's gone.
0: I'm too pretty to die.
1: <laughs> so, it's too late to bring this up, but, th- but there's a moment where they, they talk to, like, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son... Who's, you know, like all stabbed up and they're like, how did you survive? And he just holds up a hand and I'm like, I don't get, is that exp- explaining anything? Or he, just he, wave he gives him a off? thumbs
0: up, I think. Okay. Or at least he's trying to give a thumbs up. Oh no, you know what he's doing? Uh, huh. I, now I remember. He puts up his hand because core four.
1: Uh, yeah, I saw him put his hand up and I'm like, I don't, is he trying to explain something? <laughs> like his explanation I had body body armor. He,
0: for how he lived is he's part of the core four. I, I, yeah, I
1: just assume Mason Gooding was trying to hint to us that he was either some sort of robot man or he was wearing steel
0: armor around his entire body. I believe both of those things. Have you seen that, <laughs> dude? <laughs> it's a handsome cast. It's a very handsome
1: cast. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight.